Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. If everyone else will uh, go ahead and turn to Acts 16. We are just moving right along through the book of Acts. Some of you still think we're in Luke. We're in Luke part two, that's true. We'll be in Acts, uh, as Tim read this morning, uh, 16 verses 1 through 10. So if you don't have a Bible, there's one around you somewhere. Go ahead and grab it. Uh, I want you in the Word with me so you're looking at the text. Uh, You know I'm not making this stuff up. It's in here. Well, good morning, church. I don't know how many of you have traveled or um, encountered different cultures, more than likely most of you, but it's something I I believe everyone needs to do, Uh, something that we all need to experience. We need to get out and and see what other people think, and every culture is going to teach you a little bit, something a little bit different, uh, a different aspect, a different way to think, something different about uh, the way you view things, a different perspective, if you're willing to listen. When I left Texas, I grew up in Texas. Uh, don't think I left Texas other than to go to Louisiana, uh, which we said Louisiana. Um, and I joined the military and went. My tech school was in tech, or my basic training was in Texas. Then I went to California. Totally different world. Uh, it is like a different country than Texas. I had no clue. And then it really became more apparent when I married a girl who was mostly raised in California. So I had to ask questions like, what do you mean you don't keep guns in your house? Um, what do you mean by saying you're barbecuing a hamburger when uh, you don't, you grill a hamburger, you barbecue ribs, you, you grill a hamburger? I know that might be a shock to some of you. Uh, this is what you're learning today. <laughs> what do you mean you've never eaten crawfish or catfish or brisket? What do you mean you don't want to spank our firstborn child? That's, how are you going to discipline them? Uh, what are you going to do? And since she was a Lutheran and I was raised Southern Baptist, we just, we continue. What do you mean you have real wine for communion? Uh, What do you mean you baptized babies? I don't even understand that kind of stuff. So totally different. It was just a culture shock for me. Uh, I got to learn a lot. I lived in Germany. I lived a short time in Iraq, North Carolina, South Korea, Hawaii, Virginia, Afghanistan, and then Oregon, all very very different cultures. Um, And I learned a lot as I traveled and as I've gone on mission trips. And uh, I've learned that we have some very different stuff going on in the world. But it is beautiful. It is a beautiful and wonderful things we have to offer to each other. And seeing God's image reflected in so many different ways was both very challenging to me, and it challenged a lot of things of how I grew up, but also very rewarding. But I think a lot of times we're not willing to humble ourselves enough to learn, to listen, to to see what's going on. And that hinders our ability to share the love of Christ with those around us. 
But since Jesus Christ gave himself as a servant by being, uh, bringing, uh, becoming like a servant, bringing salvation to the world, it's because of that that we can go and do the same thing by his power. So we see that in our passage today. How the gospel, it starts to remove in our own lives stumbling blocks. Uh, it shows us, it exposes things that maybe we don't need to hold on to anymore. Uh, it, it is also going to refresh and rebuild or build up the church and grow the church. And then we'll close with how the Spirit leads in all of this. So first, we're going to look at how the gospel removes our stumbling blocks. This is the self-work, the heart work that we need before we share the gospel, before we engage with others. We need the Lord to do a work in our own hearts. So look at the text with me, Acts 16, starting in verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So Paul meets Timothy. We know Timothy is one of the disciples from Paul's first missionary trip. He, he came to know the Lord, and, and he's been growing in the Lord, we see in the text. We also know that Timothy is a very important part of Paul's ministry from here on out. He writes his final letter that we have to Timothy, telling him to continue to preach the word and continue doing the work of the ministry. He's a big part of advancing the kingdom of God. But right away, Paul tells us something about his background. Timothy, verse 1 at the second part, he's the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was a Greek. So he has this mixed background. And, and this is very important because what happens next, uh, we're like, what? We just read in, in, in Acts 15 that you fought against uh, circumcision, and then you take him and you circumcise him. So we need to figure out uh, what's going on. So first, I want to I tell you the why before we get to the fact that uh, Paul just fought against this, uh, what it seems like Paul was fighting against in circumcision. So the reason Paul circumcises Timothy is because his mother was Jewish, and the fact that he was not circumcised on the eighth day would have been very offensive to the people, or the Jewish people. You see, Timothy, uh, his father, even though his father was Greek, his mother was Jewish. And for the Jewish nation, even if you're half Jewish, you're still Jewish. And he's not circumcised, so not only is he Jewish with a Greek father, but he's also Jewish and he's an apostate Jew. He's not doing what the Jewish people are supposed to do. He's already not following God. This would have disqualified Timothy from going into any synagogue. He is not following what he should have been doing. It hinders his ability to share the gospel with the Jewish people. So this would be like if you were a female and you were born into a Muslim family and you became a Christian... Then you wanted to share the gospel with your family, and then you put on a hijab, that's the, the head dress that goes around, uh, covers the hair of the woman, because you don't want to offend them. 
So you put that on so that you're removing this obstacle so that you can still share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ with them. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's a very basic view of what this is, what's going on. The hijab doesn't make you any more a Muslim than a tie makes you a Christian. We would all be in trouble, I think. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every one of us. Um, even though Timothy, he was a Christian Jew, he was free from the law of Moses, he did not have to be circumcised for salvation. He still denies himself, and he becomes a servant of the Jewish people in hopes of winning some of them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The circumcision of Timothy is, is not a contradiction to what Paul had already been preaching in Acts 15. If you remember, some were going from Jerusalem and they were going to all the Gentiles and they're saying, oh, that's cool that you know Jesus. Now all you have to do is be circumcised and then you can be saved. But this is not that. That's not what Paul is telling Timothy. He didn't circumcise Timothy to be saved. He wanted him to partner with him in ministry and he wanted to partner with him in ministering to the Jews. So he circumcises him. Later on, we read that Paul refuses for Titus to be circumcised. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. The reason he's not, he was not half Jewish. This was not a stumbling block for the Jews. So Paul says that you don't need that. You see, Timothy, he removes the stumbling block for the Jews because his heart is for them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's not going to allow something as foolish as cutting off a small piece of flesh to stop him from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that should be our heart. That should be what we desire. We are not going to allow the non-essential things to hinder us from sharing the gospel of those around us. So we remove stumbling blocks because we're the servant or we're servants of the gospel. We're not servants of our own opinions and our own desires. The problem that we run into is that we don't want to do that. We don't want to deny ourselves uh, to advance the kingdom of God. Honestly, we would rather just minister to like-minded people, people that align with us uh, with everything we think, and we just want to share with them the one more thing that they need, the gospel, or just have them adapt to what we think. As an American, you are told, do what feels good. Do what you think is right. Do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. As a Christian, you're told, deny yourself and follow Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. Look to the interests of others. So we need to ask, where am I called? Am I called to my workplace, to my neighborhood, to my home? And what might be standing between me and someone I want to share the gospel with? What personal freedom even do I enjoy that might be hindering my ability to share the gospel with someone else? Are you even thinking that way? Are you even thinking, is there something in my life, something that I believe, some freedom that I hold on to, creating a stumbling block for someone else? Our desire should be the salvation of the lost more than our personal freedom. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And he goes on in chapter 10, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. What better could we win someone to than the salvation of Jesus Christ? We have to be willing to ask, though, am I willing to become all things to all people that by uh, all means I might save some? If not, we have a heart problem. I have something going on in my heart that needs to be dealt with because I'm setting my kingdom, my desires before the growth of the kingdom of God. And the cure for that is just simply remember what Christ did for you. Remember that Jesus, he's, Paul writes in Philippians, uh, let each one of you look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, becoming or being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Allow the sacrifice of Christ awaken you to the love he is calling you to display to others. And this doesn't mean to minister to a Democrat or a Republican, you need to switch how you vote. That's not what he's saying here. To minister to someone who's struggling with homosexuality does not mean you have to become homosexual to minister to them. To minister to a drug addict doesn't mean you have to do drugs to minister to him. That, that is ludicrous to think that way. It does mean, though, I need to think about the other person before myself. It's not the second greatest commandment that we're given. Is that not what Jesus says? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And the great, that's the first greatest commandment. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we discover the stumbling blocks that we have? We ask who will I be sharing the gospel with? Ask, what would create a barrier between myself and this person? Just recently, very practically, are they still wearing a mask? Are you willing to put a mask on, to don a mask, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? If they vote differently, are you willing to not wear your campaign shirt to share the gospel with them? If you're a female and you want to share Christ with a Muslim, are you willing to wear a hijab on your head to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to walk into a bar to share Jesus Christ? Are you willing to have an unbeliever into your house to share with them the love of Jesus Christ? To find your stumbling block, you can ask those questions or you could simply just ask someone you trust. If you're married, Ask your spouse, they'll tell you. Are there spots in my life that would offend this person that I want to share the gospel with? 
Ask your friends. Ask the elders. More importantly, be a student of the word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. What it's going to do is expose to you the areas that you need to deal with. Listen for the Lord to expose them as you read the word. And be in constant prayer. Ask the Spirit, would you expose the areas in my life that are putting a barrier between me and this person or people, this group that I want to share the gospel with? Or give me a desire to want to share. Maybe a lot of us need to start there. Give me a desire to even want to share the gospel with this group. And when those blocks are exposed, we need to ask the follow-up question. Now, how do I deal with them? Because you're not strong enough to deal with them. You're not going to be able to. You are too uh, steeped in the way you think. So you need to first say, Lord, forgive me for even thinking this way, for stumbling uh, people or making them stumble before they even hear the gospel. Lord, this is your work. Remove the stumbling block by the power of your spirit. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Lord, I need you to change me. Fourth, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the world that tells you to fight uh, for your right, to, to, to uh, debate every chance you get, to tear down, to slander on Facebook and social media. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And help one another in community. You can't do this on your own. Let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works. We're not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but we're encouraging one another all the more as the day of Christ draws near. And this is not only for as we engage unbelievers, the gospel encourages the church. We need to hear the gospel over and over and over. Look at verse 4 and 5. As they went on their way through the cities, remember, I've been talking over a while, this is Paul and Timothy. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So Paul and Timothy, they leave, uh, and they deliver the message that we, we read about in Acts 15, uh, what the, the Jerusalem council told uh, the Gentile church to do. So they said, first and foremost, they're proclaiming uh, salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Gentiles, that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Uh, you don't have to become Jewish. You're a Christian. The title God, God's people or the people of God is no longer just found among the Jewish people. He's saying the, the title, the people of God, is going to every nation and every tongue. It is spreading to the ends of the world. And this is encouraging faith in Jesus Christ. Because it's not saying you have to become like Greg. It's saying you need to become like Jesus. And Jesus promises you to make you look like Jesus. Whatever context that looks like for you, he's going to do that. And then they call him, leave the idols and follow 
Jesus. They say, abstain from these things. What's been sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what's been strangled, from sexual immorality. And they're not going and preaching this and it's oppressive and they're taking all their fun away and they're like, oh, we can't have fun anymore. It's keeping them from falling back into idolatry and ultimately it's opening them up the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Jewish people, with everyone. The Jews not excluding the Gentiles as we see in our text today and the Gentiles not excluding the Jews. And their faith grows and their churches grow because they're not dividing, they're multiplying, they're uniting, they're coming together. That's what Jesus is doing. So encouraging believers with the gospel, it strengthens the faith of the universal church. It's Jesus that saves by grace through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This isn't your own doing. It's a gift from God. We can't do it. We're too selfish. People are being saved and united by faith in Jesus Christ. Not not agreeing on every detail, but that Jesus is the one that saves. Not working to fall in line with what we think it should look like, but knowing that Jesus came to save the lost to the ends of the world, that the nations are being brought in. That the banner that flies over every believer in every nation is children of the king. Saved by grace. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the gospel redeems cultures. It doesn't crush them. It, It doesn't force everyone into one mold. People are being saved in the kingdom of God that's beautifully diverse. Jesus is taking the diversity of individuals that's been distorted by sin, that's caused them to worship things of this world, and he's redeeming culture to reflect his kingdom, where worship is rightfully placed, not in idols, not in people, not in money, but in the King, Jesus Christ. And this increases the faith in the kingdom of God, and it's not erasing culture, it's removing the cancer that's killing different cultures And he's making nations flourish. Making them look like what he designed them to be. Reflections of himself. And proclaiming the true and unhindered gospel of Jesus Christ. Causes the church to increase in number. I say this verse every week and I will until we finish Acts. It's because it's the plan of God. This is his plan. You will receive power. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses so that hopefully we grow a little bit beyond Jerusalem. No, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because that's the the scope of the kingdom. It's going to cover the world. This is his plan. And preaching the unhindered gospel causes the church to increase because we're not adding to the gospel. We're not saying you have to accomplish these things before Jesus will save you. We're preaching Jesus desires to save you from all that is destroying you. That outside of him is only death, but in him is life. And he meets you right in the mud, right in the mess, right in your sin. Not looking for you to get yourself right so that he can clean you off, but wanting to take you by the hand, get dirty himself, and help you. He wants you to know that apart from him, everything else is destroying you. 
Too often I think we communicate the gospel. I don't think we mean to, but I think we communicate the gospel is you need to clean yourself up. You need, you need to look like us. You, you can't be this or that. You can't be doing this or that. Just look at how Christians, unfortunately, often attack unbelievers. How is that an introduction to the gospel? Welcome to the kingdom. We hate everything you do. (laughs) The gospel tells us that Jesus entered into our sinful world. He, He entered into it to redeem it, to rescue us out of the mess, to place us back where he created us to be. Preaching the gospel increases the church because we're not trying to destroy culture. We're participating in redeeming it. We're celebrating how the gospel redeems different cultures. The Lord isn't interested in making a world full of Americans or Germans or Jews, but a diverse world full of Christ followers. The world needs to hear that message. We need to preach that message. Not that Jesus wants to come in and make you look like an American Christian, but he wants to re- you to reflect him. So where do we go from there? We dealt with our stumbling blocks. We want to encourage the universal church with the gospel. The Holy Spirit guides the whole process. We see in the text, for some weird reason... The Holy Spirit stops Paul and Timothy from ministering through a huge chunk of Asia. He just keeps moving them along. They're like, okay, we're going to go to uh, Phrygia and Galatia. I know I said it wrong, don't worry. Um, Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So he's like, nope, keep moving. And they came to Mesia and they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go there either. So they're like, we're going to go here, nope. Okay, we'll go here. No. Okay. We'll just keep on moving. Luke doesn't give a lot of detail how the Spirit does this, how he stops them. He just tells us that he did. But we know from our own experience that there are doors that are closed. Like we try to do something and it just doesn't work out. It doesn't happen. We desire to share the gospel. The timing seems off. We can't get them on the phone or text, or Facebook, or social media, or anything else. There seems to be an obstacle. Every time we try to bring up the gospel, something else happens. This doesn't mean you can just keep procrastinating or you're indifferent. Uh, Paul and Timothy, they're trying to share the gospel and they're stopped. So um, you not sharing the gospel is not the same thing as, oh, the Holy Spirit just kept stopping me. I didn't get out of bed today. But that does mean you try. You try to share the gospel. You try to build relationships so that you can show the love of Christ and just haven't been able to. Perhaps the Lord is holding you back for some reason. I don't know. I have no idea why he stops us and sometimes he he opens the doors wide open and sometimes he shuts them very tightly. And it's not for us to force our way into any situation, to kick down any doors. It's not for us to try to get our way as we try to share the gospel. We're to acknowledge that the Lord is sovereign. 
I trust you, Lord. Your will is perfect. I will continue to go where you say go. I will stop when you say stop. Being able to not push your own agenda in evangelism is important. You will just turn some people away. And being able to recognize that the Lord, and that is being able to recognize the Lord is in control of salvation. I might not, I might be able to only share just a little bit of the gospel with them. And I didn't get to pray with them. I didn't get to do anything. But, oh, gosh, I just, I think I failed. And we could pray, Lord, I know you're in control. Bring people into their lives so they hear the gospel. So are you listening to the Lord And are you willing for him to say no and trust that he's still good and in control? Sometimes we're led in different and unexpected directions. Look at verse 6 and 7. So they went through these regions, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And they came to Mysia and attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there and urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we... I want you to just really quick notice. This is just free, and it popped in my head, so I'm giving it to you as it came. Notice that the pronouns change here. Uh, When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. This is where Luke starts traveling with them. So just interesting. You're welcome. Um, Paul and Timothy, they eventually maybe would have gotten to Macedonia. Uh, maybe would have started the church in Philippi, which is a huge uh, part of what goes on in that part of the world, but they wouldn't have been there right away. But this is where the Lord had them going. He uses a dream to wake them up to his will. So he moves Paul and Timothy in this direction. And does God still use dreams? Sure. Uh, not in the normative way. That's not how he normally directs us. So um, if it is so, I don't think I've ever had, I don't remember maybe five dreams my whole life. So, but we see it in the Bible. We see Jacob and Joseph and we see some kings dream. We see some prophets dream. We see some apostles that dream. But for every one of them, it's like this major shift in what's happening. I, Nikki dreams all the time. And I hope that none of her dreams are how God is speaking because they're crazy. Um, I just hope that's how the brain is sorting out uh, information in a fun and crazy way. But uh, it's not from the Lord, I don't think. Um, so be careful. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying there. <laughs> now, the calling of the Lord, it's not, it's not just a suggestion. So he gives them this dream. He makes it very clear. This is the direction I want you to go. Um, if you feel like it, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, if, if you, if you want to eat some food over there in Macedonia, check it out. Share the gospel while you're there. That's not what he's doing. He's, he's doing it so that they will go. So Paul, verse 10, had seen the vision. Immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia immediately they obey. They don't say, well, we'll pray about it. 
They say the Lord has obviously opened a door to walk through, and we're going to walk through it. So are you willing to go where the Spirit leads you? Are you willing to pick up and head to a different country? Are you willing to go to a different state, a different county? Are you willing to go all the way to Douglas County to share the gospel? Are you willing to engage someone that maybe you've never even thought about telling them about Jesus? Are you willing to allow the Lord to give you one step at a time? He doesn't say, go to Macedonia, and here's that you're going to meet with this fella, and you're going to go to this church, and you're going to talk to Lydia, and you're going to talk to a jailer. They, they, they didn't plan that. They go, they find a woman uh, that are, they're praying together, and they share the gospel, and they have this demon-possessed girl they share the gospel with, and, and they're in jail, and they share the gospel. All of these things they couldn't have planned. They got one step at a time, and they just trusted the Lord to lead. So, every one of us has been given the calling to share the gospel where we are. And you might not be a pastor or an elder or a missionary or called to pulpit supply or to teach Sunday school. You might never do any of that. But you are called to make disciples and whatever that looks like in your context. That means one person or a thousand people. We're called to do that. But we have to embrace the calling. We have to take it seriously. This is what he wants us to do. So Lord, lead me to do this. And when you open that door, I'm going to walk through it. And I know it's scary and it seems overwhelming. Like <laughs> I remember uh, the Lord saying, I want you to be a pastor. And he only had to tell me for like 16 years before I, I listened. So I get it. Like, but we just, one step at a time, where the Spirit leads, we have to believe He's with us. He's going to go with us. And we just take one step and say, I know you're here, and I know you'll equip me. I know you'll guide me. I know you put a church around me that will help me do this. Start small by praying, Lord, would you guide me to share the love and gospel with someone? I don't know who, make it obvious to, by your spirit, to grant, grant open ears and eyes, uh, grant me open ears and eyes to step out in faith, increase my faith, help me to do what you've called me to do. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm praying that in faith today. And you'll be amazed who the Lord puts in your path. We were pulling around so we're going to camp today. We're going to start cooking. So we have a few groceries to, to push around. And I was at Walmart picking up every bag of mush, marshmallows that they had. And um, that tracks attention. And um, people just stop to ask. And, and that gives the opportunity in the aisle in Walmart, why are you buying a billion marshmallows? So we want to tell people about Jesus Christ, and this is what we're going to do. So you just have to be willing to, to listen and respond. Just have the willingness to go where God leads you. And how do you become sensitive to his spirit? You steep yourself in the gospel. You're constantly hearing and preaching it to yourself and hearing it preached. You're reading the word. You're developing a heart for the lost you're worshiping and fasting alongside the church. We see this in Acts. While they were worshiping uh, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, <laughs> they heard it because they were 
together and they were listening to the Lord and they were crying out, Lord, lead us. By serving according to your gifting, we see Paul says, each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So I'm going to use my spirit or my, my gift that the Lord gives me and he's going to speak to me. Or by feeling it in your heart. Nehemiah says, I arose in the night and a few men with me and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. We know that feeling that the Lord just gives us this desire. I want you to minister to infants. I don't know what he puts in your heart, but I know that that's what he's telling. I'm going to listen and follow it through. And then by walking through the open doors that he gives you. Paul says, I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work is open to me. And there are many adversaries. So if you're here this morning, maybe you've heard the gospel for the first time. You've heard for the first time that Jesus is the Savior of the world and he desires to save you from all that seeks to destroy you, from sin, from death. Come speak to me in the next couple of songs or after the service. I would love to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, Jesus gave himself as a servant to bring salvation to the world. And it's because of that, because of what he has accomplished, that we are able to go and do the same thing. The gospel is spreading to the ends of the earth. If, if we're part of that or not, it's working its way in every nook and every cranny of our neighborhoods. And we are called to be champions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But too often we get in the way because we are so comfortable or concerned about our own freedoms and our own desires. I pray that we learn from Timothy and Paul this morning. May we have the heart to become all things to all people that by all means we might save some. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that we know we have stumbling blocks in our lives, things that we exalt too highly, and it does hinder our ability to share the gospel. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would flip our desires to be more about your kingdom than our own. We pray that you would give us faith to live out the gospel to love like you did, Jesus, to enter into brokenness and shine the light of the gospel. Give us the words, Lord. I know a lot of us are thinking, I don't even know how to start. Just bring it up into our hearts to pray for this and to believe that you will equip us. You called us and you want to use us, Lord, and you are not leaving us and say, good luck with that, but you're with us until the end of the age. We praise you, we thank you, we ask that you will change us and continue to build your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541 541- 
756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.